I had the feeling that Christmas took on a whole lot of different angles for those in the very first Christmas account than what it does for us today. And I don't know, how did your memory go of that first Christmas account in the Bible? I've actually got a Christmas quiz. It's my first Christmas with you folks. And I'm familiar, though, with wintertime and the effect that that takes on our psyche and our mental state. And uh, it can wear us out. And so I figured, how about we jump into this morning and do a little Christmas quiz together, see how sharp we are entering our wintertime. And if you notice on your study guide, so take that, on the top, I want you to keep score of how well you do. We have 10 Christmas questions of the very first Christmas and, um, and I just want you to keep score of those you get correct as we go along. And then at the very end, you will receive your grade and how it fits for you in your spiritual state this Christmas. So here we go. Are you ready? Our 2017 Christmas quiz. Let's check our knowledge about the most wonderful time of the year. Here's question number one. Now put on your thinking caps. Question number one. And here it comes. Who told Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem? Was it an angel, a dream, Caesar Augustus, John the Baptist? Or we don't know. No one told them. We don't know. Which one is it? An angel, a dream, Caesar Augustus, John the Baptist, or we don't know. No one told them. So should we raise hands and embarrass people around us? You know, I grew up in church. It was always every head bowed, every eyes closed, no one looking around. How about you just answer honestly in your heart to the Lord, and he knows if, if you lie in a Christmas quiz, you've got a problem. Let me tell you. Here it is. You ready? It's E. We don't know. No one told him. We don't know. It doesn't say in the Bible who told them to go to Bethlehem. It just says there was a census. Bam, they went to Bethlehem. Okay, here's number two. So how you doing? Yeah, some of you are 100% right, some are 100% wrong. Here's number two. What did the innkeeper say to Mary and Joseph? We have no room in the inn. You can stay in our stable. The Super 8 is not too shabby. Now, I just got to tell you, that's in there for the search team that came out to visit me in New York. They stayed in the Super 8, and then they needed three weeks with the orthopedic specialist to help them after they did. It was terrible. Um, D, which is A and B, we have no room in the inn, you can stay in our stable, or E, there is no innkeeper. That's a great question. Let's see what you're thinking. You have your answer, which one it is. It is E. The Bible never says that there was an innkeeper. Now, I know some of you played the innkeeper maybe in your Christmas play, and I hate to dash your expectations and your ego, but no such person existed in the Bible. So um, you're just a filler part, basically, is what you did in your younger years. Um, it doesn't say there was an innkeeper. Here's number three. Where did the Magi find the child Jesus? A, in a stable. B, in a house. C, in the Super 8. D, in a cave. Or E, we don't know. Okay, so think about it, pray about it. Where did the Magi find the child Jesus? And the answer is E, 
Some of you are like, wow, I am batting zero for three. We don't know. And I know some of you are saying, but pastor, I have a nativity where the magi are there with the shepherds. And let me just tell you, your nativity is wrong. I say that in love, but um, the Magi came later, and we really, we don't know where they found the child Jesus. Okay, here's number four. Some of you are saying, I don't, do I even know the Bible anymore? Okay, here's number four. What animals were around the manger? Some of you are thinking, okay, what do I have at my nativity at home? There were sheep, goats, and donkeys. There was Babe, Willie, and Flipper. If you have that, you do have a spiritual problem. There were C, cow, sheep, and donkeys, or there's D, we don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay, uh, someone just blew the whole quiz now. Uh, it's D, we don't know, okay? We don't know. Okay, moving on. Number five, how did Mary and Joseph get to Bethlehem? A, they walked, she waddled. B, he walked, she rode a donkey. C, four by four chariot. D, we don't know. Oh, my. Am I going to have to endure this for another five questions? We don't know. <laughs> don't clap and encourage him, okay? Do not. <laughs> D, we don't know. We really don't. We don't know how they got there. It just says they went there, okay? And all the stories you've seen on TV and everything that you've ever imagined, we are dashing all of that here this morning. We just don't know. Okay, here's the next one. What were the magi? A, they were wise men and that they had great wisdom. B, they were kings. C, astrologers, astronomers. D, magicians. Or E, we don't know, but if they were women they would have asked for directions and been there three weeks earlier. Okay. So here we go. It, this, there's a lot of interesting thing to this. It's actually C. Um, they may have had a position. I know some of you are saying, but I know the song, We Three Kings. I understand that. Um, chances are, they were, they were individuals that studied the stars. Remember, that's, you know, this, they saw the star. They were looking for a star, and, and there's even a possibility that, that Daniel gave a prophecy all the way back um, early in his time in captivity in Persia and clued some people in. And there may have been a sect of individuals that kept watching for the star for the prediction of Daniel, and here it came up hundreds of years later, and then it went and found the Messiah. So see on that one. So since we are through number six, let's just see how we're doing. How many have gotten all six correct? Let's see your hands. Wow. Wow. How many have gotten five correct? Let's see your hands. Four. Three. Two. One. Okay. <laughs> and proud of it. I'm not going to ask for the zeros yet. There's still hope for something here. Let's go with seven. Number seven, what did the angels sing to the shepherds? Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to all people. B, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to all men. Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace to men. D, 
All the above are implied, or E, none of the above? And the answer? Okay, it is E. And if you look it up in the text, it says the angels saying, not singing. And I know I just ruined some of your Christmas carols, some of your favorite ones right now. But it actually says saying. And uh, you can look that up at a later time. It's, it's interesting, though. So saying. Okay, here's number eight. We're getting close to the end. Um, what was the name of the angel who appeared to Joseph and told him to take Mary and Jesus to Egypt? What's the name of the angel? Was it Gabriel, Michael, Brian, which is a possibility, or D, none of the above? None of the above. Gabriel, Michael, Brian, D, none of the above. And this is a slightly trick question. I'm going to tell you, it really is. None of the other ones were, but this one is. It's A. Now, it doesn't say when the angel told them which angel it was, but it says the angel of the Lord. And if you cross-reference that with when the angel talked to Mary, it says Gabriel, the angel of the Lord. And so we say it's Gabriel who um, spoke to them and told them, uh, told them to take Mary and Jesus to Egypt. Okay, coming down the last two, here's your chance to go 10 for 10, people. Number nine, Mary and Joseph were married when Jesus was born. True or false? True or false, they were married when Jesus was born. Mm, are you ready? Here we go. It's true. It is true. Remember the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And it says, and Joseph got up and immediately did what the angel told him and took Mary as his wife. So that is true. And then here is number 10. How many times did an angel appear to Joseph? One, two, three, or four. One, two, three, or four. And the answer to that is C. It is C. It is three. Um, he was told to take Mary as his wife. He was told to go to Egypt. Then he was told to return to Nazareth. So C. And I am curious, now that we've done all 10, how well you did, how many got between... Uh, 9 and 10, correct? 9 and 10? 9 and 10. You are a biblical scholar, it says. How many between 6 and 8, correct? Good job. You can open up your presents this year. <laughs> 3 to 5, correct? Let's see you. You get coal. But some of you need it to heat your house, so there's a blessing in disguise there. And then 1 to 2, correct? And you must be Detroit Lions fans, okay? You must be, and uh, we'll be praying for you. We, we truly will be. Okay, there's your Christmas quiz. Hopefully you did well. I know some of you are saying, wow, there's a lot of things I never, I didn't realize. You know, just a lot of folklore and everything that goes into it. And um, anyways, that's just the, the straight up biblical version of the Christmas account. Hey, this is important. When we talk about Christmas, it's important because it's talking about the, the centerpiece, the shining jewel and star of, the, of all of eternity. It's the person of Jesus Christ. It's the one doctrine that even today is getting messed up in the minds of people. And we need to have 
the doctrine of Jesus correct. We need to have our Christology right. And the reason is because everything hangs on it. We don't have it right about Jesus. You realize what hangs on that? Everything. Our eternal destiny rests on the doctrine of Jesus Christ and who he was. Some people say, is it really important? You know, how, how much about Jesus is, is the virgin birth really important? Oh my. If he wasn't born of a virgin, if he wasn't deity DNA placed inside of her, we are doomed forever. If he wasn't sinless and perfect, then his sacrifice is of no effect for us. So everything about Jesus is so important today. And we need to remember how important and critical that is. There are some people, and, and the whole doctrine of Christmas, the whole story of Christmas is, is a little sketchy in some different ways. You know, there are some big characters in this account, but you know, the main character is Jesus. You know, there's some people that we appreciate in the account, whether it be the shepherds, the magi, the cousins, John the Baptist, whether it be Mary or Joseph or Herod or the innkeeper that didn't really exist. And I'm sure we appreciate them, but you know, we all have to agree they're not the stars of the story. They're not the ones who this is all about. None of these other individuals are the focal point. And Joseph was not the focal point. Mary was not even the focal point. And I understand that, that some look at her as, as extremely significant, and she certainly was a, a godly young woman. Can I read for you just words from her prayer when the angel came and said, Mary, you are going to be with child? Listen to the words of her prayer. Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God. Now listen to this. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Even Mary recognized she needed a Savior, and it's Christ the Lord. She knew she was one needing deliverance, not the one providing deliverance. She called herself a servant of God. She understood her part in the overall plan, not being the focal point of it. So I just want to take a moment. I want to review with us the whole story of Christmas. This I do it two weeks early this time. This is my Christmas message because next week we get to enjoy the children's ministry here for the whole morning worship service, and I can't wait for that. And then the following week on the 24th and Christmas Eve morning, gang, let me just tell you, I can't let the cat out of the bag, but it's just going to be awesome to be together. We have two stories of people that are really going to touch your heart of what Christmas means to us. And so today you get my Christmas message. And I, I want to work through this. Let's let's take a moment. I just want to review the Christmas account with you. Maybe you got a little place on your study guide to write some of these things down. Um, the story didn't even begin yet with Mary. The story actually began with um, a cousin named Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah, and let's see how well you remember this, and their son together was named John, John the Baptist, or John the Baptizer. And they understood the, the, the special nature of their son to come, that he would be the front runner of Jesus, the Messiah. And even there was a point when 
um, Mary and Elizabeth came together to meet each other after they were both expecting, and and um, and Elizabeth felt that baby leap inside of her because the baby even recognized that that he was in the presence of Messiah, even in utero, which is just an awesome thing to think about. And here, uh, Zechariah. God made him to not even be able to speak during the pregnancy because there was a moment that he doubted and questioned. And God said, that's it. You're not going to be able to speak until the very end of the pregnancy. And, and I hate to even say this, but there may be some women here that may have thought, boy, that would have been nice for my husband through our pregnancy, you know. Um, and then at the end, when it was time to name the baby, he, that was his first words. His name is John. His name is John. Then God um, led the baby in Elizabeth's womb to leap for joy. God led Elizabeth to prophesy about the child and Mary, and, and she said, what is being born of you is of God, it's of the Holy Spirit. And then there was a question with Joseph when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant and it wasn't his child and, and he was going to let her away privately and God directed Joseph to accept Mary end this pregnancy that wasn't his. You remember that with the angel? The angel came, we spoke about that last week. And God led the Roman government to have a census that required Mary and Joseph to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And some of us may think, what's the big deal about that? Well, you want to know the big deal about that? It fulfilled prophecy of the Old Testament that out of you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, will come one day, one who will be ruler of all, one who is of great renown, and that is Jesus the Messiah. So here, God fulfills a 600-year-old prophecy just in one government act by taking the Mary and Joseph from their land of Nazareth to Bethlehem, where, where his family is from. God led the shepherds to come and worship the baby. God led the magi by a star to find the child. God directed Joseph and Mary to go to Egypt during the time when Herod was furious with this future king and they saved the life of the Messiah. However, many, many, many babies were murdered by Herod out of that one act. And then God led some people, and we're going to get to talk about them on the 24th, Simeon and Anna, who've been waiting their whole lives to see this baby. God led them to recognize, worship, and prophesy over the baby Jesus. And as we read this story of Christmas, as we read it all, we begin to realize God was involved in every detail, every last part of it. There's no character reading off their own script. All the words, all the staging, all the blocking, all the drama, everything was 100% organized and orchestrated by a God that truly is in full control of all the events not only of the Christmas account, but all the events even of our lives, every bit of it. And even beyond the events here on earth, he's in charge of everything. He's in charge of all of the stars and the planets of the universe. He's in charge not only of people, but of cattle. He's in charge of governments. And I want to give us two overarching themes this morning, and, and here they are on your study guide Two overarching themes from the Christmas account that should be an encouragement for you today. 
Two overarching themes that should be an encouragement to you today, and here's what they are. And let me tell you, these things should grip you, and if you are going through something today that you're wondering, why in the world am I dealing with this? Man, this should do something for your heart. Here's number one. Please write this down. Please note this. Please remember it, not only during this service, but when you walk out of here, because that's when we're really going to need it. And here's number one for you and for me this morning. God is in the details of your life. God is in the details of your life. Now, I always grew, uh, grew up hearing the, the devil is in the details, right? You remember that? The devil's in the details. Well, let's just change that thing around here, gang. God is in the details of your life. And I want to share with us here today some of the details we perceive as bad, right? Some we look at and say, man, this stinks. God, rescue me from this. And that detail even has evidence of the plan and purpose of God for you and for me. Some things are great. We say, "Woo, God sure is here today. And he is. But he's also there when things are bad. Can, can you rehearse this with me? Because we've all done this. When we look at Mary and Joseph and here this angel comes to Mary and says, you are going to deliver the Messiah. Now, that would be just, I can't believe it. And, and it's pretty evident this is God's will. And then after that, here's what happens. Here her future husband is thinking about leaving her. Whoa, whoa, that, God can't be in that. Here they're in Nazareth, and she's nine months pregnant, and you know what? Time to get up, and you need to travel all the way to Bethlehem. Whoa, that's not in, I'm nine months pregnant. You know, they didn't have nice, cushy car seats to go anywhere in. And then they get there. Okay, Lord, we're getting to Bethlehem. Please provide a very nice place for us to stay. And then we'll see this is the Lord's will. And then they get there, and guess what? No room. No room in the inn. And you can deliver in a cattle stall and to the horror of every mother in here, and you can put your baby in a feeding trough for cattle. Is this really God's will? And then an angel of the Lord says, you know what? Herod wants to come and kill your baby. You need to go to Egypt. And then they go to Egypt. And all the while, Herod still in Israel goes and slaughters every boy within that age range. And they are in Egypt knowing that all of these children are being killed. The announcement sounded awesome. The events afterward didn't sound too awesome, did they? And sometimes you sit there and as we look at the Christmas story, you wonder, was there ever a point where they're like, what in the world? world is going on. Now, in hindsight, we can look over and say, you know what? Here's the phrase. God was in every detail. True? God was in every detail. The good, as we perceive, the bad, as we perceive, everything was 
sifted through the hand of God and exactly, appropriately portioned for them. And all of it was God's will to bring about his purpose. Here's number two. I love this. I love, love, love this. This gives hope to us all. Not not only is God in the details of our life. Here's number two. And take heart in this. God uses regular folks to work out his plan. Doesn't that sound good? God uses regular folks to work out his plan. I love this so much about the Christmas story. There was a there was a fully established and elaborate religious system of that day in Israel. There were royalty and rulers of nations that God could have used. There were doctors and attorneys and priests and kings and princes and scribes and professors that were fully at God's disposal. You realize this, all of these big name people and elaborate people were all through that region. God could have used any of them. However, he chose rather to work with the regular people of life. And just think about the account. Shepherds. Joseph was a regular guy. Tradesmen who worked with carpentry. Mary was an ordinary girl. She calls herself a handmaid or a servant. They were in a cattle stall. They were in this little back town called Bethlehem. And it helps us to understand this. And, and oh, can we just embrace it for a moment? That when God does extraordinary things, oftentimes he uses ordinary people. Now that does something for me. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. So let me leave you with a couple things this morning. Whenever a pastor says, let me leave you with a couple things this morning, don't think his message is even close to being done. But we need to hear this. You need to hear this. I need to hear this. This is so important. Here's here's something I want you to take home with, with us. God is actively involved in every part of your life. And there's some people sitting here this morning, you need to hear that, man. You've got to hear it. That thing in your life that right now stinks, don't think that means God isn't there, okay? Don't think you mean that, that, that God has abandoned the situation and we just need him to come back. He is there. And he's actively involved in it. And, and he's there in the good, he's there in the bad, and it is all planned for his good and for our good in the end. And whether it be the new job, the promotion, the pregnancy, the acceptance letter, the new home, the engagement, the high test grade, the raise God directs in our lives through all of the good that comes But then beyond that, he also directs through all of the negative that we perceive to be bad and whether it be the opposite in the layoff, in the infertility, in the loss of a loved one, in the tight budget, in the leaky roof, in the failing grade, in the rejection letter, in the very moment when it feels like everything is out of control. That's the very moment you can be assured, folks, 
that God is so in control. And everything he's doing, even if we don't enjoy it, has a purpose. I read a story of a of a Chinese farmer who used an old horse to till his fields. And one day the horse escaped. And it ran off into the hills and the farmer's neighbors came around. They said, oh, we feel bad for you. And they said, man, that's, a, that's bad luck. Bad luck that the horse ran away. And the old Chinese farmer said, eh, bad luck, good luck. Who knows? So a week later, the horse returned with a whole herd of horses from the hills. And all the neighbors came around and said, wow. What good luck for you. Now you have all these horses. And the Chinese farmer said, good luck, bad luck. Who knows? Then when the farmer's son was attempting to tame one of the wild horses, he fell off his back and he broke his leg and all the neighbors came around and said, man, that's bad luck for you. The Chinese farmer said, bad luck, good luck. Who knows? Some weeks later, the army marched into the village and made every able-bodied youth they found there to sign up for the army. And when they looked at this young man, they realized he couldn't do it because he had a broken leg. And they said, you stay here. Everyone else needs to go off to serve in the army. And all the neighbors came around. The old farmer guy said, wow, that's good luck for you. And the old farmer said, well, bad luck, good luck. Who knows? Sometimes we look at these events, and on the surface, they may seem evil, or they may seem great. Let me just encourage you right now. Whatever you're going through, God is there. It may look bad, God's there. It may look great, God's there. God has an awesome purpose through everything we go through. And I'm sure Mary and Joseph are wondering, why are we down in Egypt? <laughs> How come there is no room at the inn? I thought this was God's will. And just because things don't go our way doesn't mean God's not hope that does something for you. Here's number two. I want to leave you with this. God uses regular, common, small town people like us. Doesn't that sound cool? God uses just regular folks. I'm sure some of you are maybe a little offended right now. Brian, you calling us small town people? I just want to share with you here. You know, we moved from Norwich, New York which was a small, small town. And I remember 17 years ago, they came up with this great grand idea that since they grew pumpkins really well, they would have this annual awesome event called the Pumpkin Fest. 
And they would make their whole town identity around this annual pumpkin fest. And I remember sitting there thinking, really? What kind of little hick town would make a whole huge event around some vegetable or fruit? Duh. Really? And then we moved to Traverse City. And come on. It's not like as if we're on some major highway here. No one drops by Traverse City on their way to anywhere, folks. You realize that? If someone comes here, it means they intended to or they are really lost. <laughs> you realize that? We're, we're way out of the way. And either we are on the cutting edge with these newly invented inverted speed bumps, or we have some of the worst roads I've ever seen in my entire life. I can't wait for the middle of winter. At least the snow will cover those things in, you know? We thought the people up here would be a little more classed up, but many here still shop at Walmart in their pajamas. You realize that? But here's the cool truth in all this. What would God ever do up here? This is the beauty. God uses regular people like us to do some of his greatest, most outrageous, mind-blowing, world-changing events. I love it. Even an out-of-the-way place like northern Michigan? Yeah. Even with Walmart shopping, Randy's diner eating, snow shoveling, denim wearing people like us? Oh, yeah. You tell me God would do great things here, especially here. Some of his greatest things, yes. World-changing events, yes. With us, oh yes. And that, friends, is what excites me about here. That's what I'm praying for right here right in northern Michigan, right in Traverse City. And I really believe if that first Christmas were to ever occur in any place here around the United States, in our day, in our time, it wouldn't have happened in Lansing or Detroit. Praise God. It wouldn't have been in any big, huge city with all the fanfare and all the elaborate stuff. You know what? It would have been a little out of the way just like it did back then. And then God uses the small. He uses the ordinary. And I believe he uses that because it showcases even greater how awesome he is. How he can make some incredible things happen out of regular things. And although you and I are not a part of the Christmas story, we are a part of his story. And there's no greater story to be a part of. Here's your three things to go by. Three things, and then we're going to finish up. Get in on his story. I encourage you with that. You want to so say, where does this lead me? I'm just going to say, get in on his story. If you're not in on his story, here's just what I want you to think about. You need to get in and believe in the, in the star of Christmas in Jesus Christ. If you're wondering, I... I I don't know what's going on in my life. The very first thing in your life that can help sort all of this out, 
is to be in a right relationship with the Christ of Christmas. Realize why he came in the first place. He didn't come just so we can have a holiday. He came to save us. We needed to be rescued because of our stinking, ridiculous, stupid decisions and the ways that we've offended him in our activity, in our lives, in our thoughts, in our actions. He came to forgive us and save us. And so one of the best ways to start this whole thing out to make sense of it all is to get in on his story. Believe he died for your sin. Ask him to be the forgiver and leader of your life. Make this your first Christmas with Jesus Christ in your life. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. If that's you and you're saying, you know what? I got I to make sense of all of it. I know I need Jesus Christ in my life. I know he died for me. How do I sort it all out? You know what I'm going to ask you to do? I'm just going to ask you, would, would you... Would you give me a call in the office this week? Or, or even go to your computer and email me and, and just go to our website because my email is there. Or you might remember it right now. It's bconover at eastbaycalvary.org. But I, I would love to hear from you. If you want to sort any of this out, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you direct. Like, let's connect on this. Because that's the very first place to start to sort all of your life out, to know he's in every detail and that he can use you as an ordinary person is to get in on his story and you get in on it by believing in Jesus Christ and why he came. To do that, would you call me in the office, connect with me on email, find me on Facebook and friend request me and then let's chat and let's get this thing started so you can get in on his story. Here's number two. Look at everything you experience with hope. Look at everything you experience with hope, knowing that God is in the details. That may not mean as much to some here this morning as it does to others. And I know, um, I know there's some people here this morning that need hope. God weren't in it, then there is no hope. But I can tell you, even through your tears and your pain and your hurt, this part of your story is not the end of your story. And with God being involved in your situation, as hard as it is, there is hope. Knowing that there is a purpose and a plan. And Christmas shows us that although the process is tough, although things don't always work out, even though I know it's what God wants, it's not going the way I thought it would, just because that's the case, just because it's hard, doesn't mean there's not hope. Look at everything you experience with hope, knowing that God is in the details. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray right now, and we're going to sing a song, and I'm going to give you that number three. 
that one's important as well. Um, but can I pray for you this morning? And if you're a person this morning that needs hope, I just want you to embrace this reality. You're not alone. This thing isn't over. God isn't done. The final purpose is not yet fulfilled. And we need to walk through every step with him. Can I pray for you right now? Would you close your eyes just for a moment? And if that's you, and you're saying, I sure could use a little bit of hope today. Sometimes I get worn down because I look at my situation and I wonder, is God really in this? I need some hope. If that's you, people's eyes are closed. I just want to connect with you. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? Because I sure would love to connect, even visually. Is that you? Just raise your hand. I see you, man. I'm with you. I am. I see you. Thank you. God's in your situation. He's in every detail. Is there anyone else? That's me. I see you. Thank you. Up in the balcony. Yes. Yes. Anyone else? That's me. I need hope. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yes. I see you. Thank you. Thank you so much. There is hope. There is. God sees you. He's in your pain. He's there when it's tough. I see in the back. Thank you. Yes, I see you right down here. Yes, I see you. God bless you. And Father, you see these hands. You see the hearts. You know who aches. You know the beginning from the end. And in your grace, God, give us hope. Help us know you're in the details, whether they be good in our perception or bad, but you have an awesome purpose, just as you did at that first Christmas. Give my friends hope. May we continue to trust you even when it's tough, when we hurt, help us, God, to follow you and to obey you and to never give in to the doubts or the persuasion of others to not trust and not believe. Help us to hope in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So get in on his story. Look at everything you experience with hope, knowing God is in the details. And here's number three. There in your sheet. God does his greatest things with ordinary people. That means all of us, gang, all of us have opportunity for the extraordinary, not because we're awesome. We're ordinary. But we have an awesome God. So I want you to think about this. Be willing to be actively used by God for his purposes. Let him bump you out of your comfort zone. Don't count yourself out. Don't sell yourself short. But think, what can God do to nudge me forward to do more for him? For some of you, that means on your way out, you need to grab a card to invite someone next Sunday 
or Christmas Eve. You may think, boy, that's embarrassing. What if they reject me? What if, you know what? Just leave that up to God. But I don't have any special gift of talking. Well, you know what? Who cares? That's exactly the type of person God would use for something like that. Grab a card, invite someone, or connect with your neighbor or someone you know is hurting. Just branch out and let God do extraordinary things through our ordinary lives. And it helps people to see how awesome he is. On our way out also, we have our Helping Hand Fund. And as we go out, if there's a way that you would want to participate with this, it helps us to be able to help other people in our community that have needs and financial needs, and be sure to do that. Do remember, next Sunday is one of the most awesome Sundays we'll ever have, and that's with our kids involved. But have a great, great week. God bless you.